welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. Did you miss us, folks? We were off for a week while uh, two-thirds of us were traveling. Uh, but it, this is episode 165, and we're back with some more Rebels Watch Party tonight. Um, but uh, I'm Aaron, and with me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. How you doing, guys? Hi, doing well. Doing good, doing good. Just resting. Yeah. So... Um, Anyway, yeah, they're they're both so yeah. Dave and Fredo have both been traveling, and uh, they're both going to cooler climates. Um, so, uh, I mean, if if you were, could see the video here, you'd see Fredo's actually wearing layers. Um, but if you could see video, you'd see where I show that it's a nice, brisk seventy-seven degrees. <laughs> and uh, Dave, Dave and was it feels like seventy-seven. Dave ran away to the the country, and uh, now he's back into Satan's jockstrap with the rest of us. So, um, anyway, really, really happy to be here. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it's it's nice to be in the cool weather, but you know, but it, people are weird outside of New Orleans. That's what I realized. So, like it. Like I said, we're doing going to watch a couple more episodes of Rebels tonight. We're going to watch A World Between Worlds and then A Fool's Hope. So if you want to queue up your Disney Plus to watch along with us, and we're just going to be talking over this, World Between Worlds is going to be kind of a wacky, weird episode. There's going to be a lot to talk about here. Um, but we're doing this as the lead-up to Ahsoka. And I have to tell you guys something, that YouTube finally got me. Because every time, like I'm the kind of person that has my finger hovering over the countdown for skip ads, you know, on YouTube. But have you seen the new Master and Apprentice, you know, Ahsoka um, trailer, trailer, if you will? I watch that thing every single time from start to finish, and it gets me giddy for this show. So YouTube, YouTube got me. They've done a good job of tying it into all the emotions and all the feelings that everybody's got regarding the character, these characters, these stories, which is kind of a kudos to them because we don't know where it's going to go, but we know we will want to be part of it. Now, the thing that's interesting, my, my wife asked, so what are you guys talking about on the podcast tonight? And I said, well, we're going to watch a couple more episodes of Rebels. She said, I don't need to do this before Ahsoka, do I? I was like, eh, I kind of, it was my honest answer. I was like, eh, I might be explaining a couple things to you, but I said, it's not war and peace or anything. So, um, but this is one of those things that, uh, these episodes are leading up to, I mean, these last few episodes are going to lead right into Ahsoka. Um, what happens to Ezra and Thrawn, you know, um, who is Thrawn for some of you. But uh, anyway, has she, has she given Rebels a go at any point? I don't think so. I mean, she's yeah. watched a couple passively with me as I was watching through. Um, mm. So, you know, that might be kind of an interesting thing uh, to report. Um, you know, she won't be on the podcast, but I'll report back to, you know, <laughs> Brittany saying, what the hell was that? Uh, <laughs> so um, but anyway. Um, well, I tell you what, we have one bit of news, but before we do that one bit of news, and it's kind of cool news, um, uh, and, and with along with a little bit of a rumor, I don't know if anything's come of that recently, but um, let's do some trivia here real quick, get us our brain wrapped around uh, Star Wars. Um, okay, Fredo, who tosses a boomer to Jar Jar Binks in the heat of battle? Sounds dirty. 
Who tosses yeah. a boomer to Jar Jar Banks in the heat of battle? Captain Tarful. Close. I'll accept it though. Tarples with a P. Tarples. Tarples. Yeah. yeah, Tarful is the um, La Wookiee chieftain. I'm sorry. That's yeah, right. That's Tarful. right. That's right. Man, come on, George. Can you get a little bit more creative? Anyway. Um, all right, uh, Dave. Who commands the Queen's Palace Guards during the Trade Federation invasion of Naboo? Who commands the Queen's Palace Guards during the Trade Federation invasion of Naboo? Padme, I guess. You know, Mm -hmm. I was going to say that too. I was going to say that too, but the answer they have here is Captain Panaka. Uh, Which I always want to say Captain Tanaka, but it's Panaka. But, right, know, like those are the two names in uh, Phantom Menace that we always get wrong: Captain Tarful, Carpal, and Captain Panaka. I want I want each of you to write the respective names a hundred times before you go to bed tonight. <laughs> Captain Panaka. Uh, uh, all right. Well, to me, but you know, you have a point that uh, so Padme is not in charge there. Uh, she's kind of calling the shots. But, oh, well. Um, okay. Oh, my God. Come on. Seriously? Ugh. All right. To me, how many claws does an Aklea use to walk? Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to say four. God, that was my first answer. Six. Ugh. An Aklea has six claws, everybody. Well, doesn't it have six? Well, this is the question. Is it have six legs that it uses to walk, and then the other two are the stabbing pinchers? Well, he's, he he's, walk, he's walking along, and then he kind of starts pincing, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, I think you're uh, right. Oh, well. The thing's, yeah. Oh, well. Stupid accolade. Anyway, all right. So, um, Fredo, what, what's going? What's the, what's the newsworthy item that we need to talk about? This is actually kind of cool. Yeah, the one bit of good news. Don't kinda, give me uh, hope, yeah. though. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, this came out last week, and basically Variety confirmed that Donald Glover and his brother Stephen have been signed to write a Disney Plus series for Lando. So as direct writer-director Justin Simeon, who just came out with uh, The Haunted Mansion, exited the project, uh, the, bro- the Glover brothers are going to be running the series by themselves. Now, it doesn't say when they expect to uh, uh, you know, start filming or anything. It just, you know, he started talking about it coming back in April of this year and said he was, he would love to do it, but it was a fun time. And uh, that was it in terms of uh, mentions of anything, because, you know, for the longest time, there have been no, no mention of the Fernando show, even though it had been announced back when Disney during D23 announced all their slate of Star Wars shows. But so for right now, yeah, Donald and Steven Glover are going to be writing a Lando show, aka the Corrigan Chronicles. Well, and then, so it looks like then Billy D. Williams trolled us all because his tweet yeah. was, I am thrilled that like, what, like a week after this or a couple days after this was announced, I am thrilled to share that something truly magnificent is coming soon. This is a dream come true for me on all that. Um, I got to put on my glasses because I can't read the rest of this. 
um, dream come true for me on all that has sustained and carried me through a lifetime of dreams and adventure. It is my honor to share with you. Make sure to enable notifications for stories and posts to stay in the loop. You don't want to miss this. May the force be with you all. And we're like, yes, he's going to be in the Lando show. And what happens? He announces his autobiography that's going to be released in February of 2024. <laughs> he's a consummate salesman. Remember, he sold your cold 45 bowl liquor. Yeah. I was, I mean, but however, that was genius of Billy D. Williams or whoever runs his social media. <laughs> it's like, hey, now get it. Let's get the announcement in now when everybody's paying attention. It's kind of that's yeah. But anyway, it's a smart thing to do. I mean, it really is. Be kind of an interesting autobiography to read. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway. Um, well, yeah. So, OK. So what do we think of the Glover brothers writing uh, Lando? I think it's going to be interesting because it's going to give them an opportunity to to have their own take on the character and the corner of the universe that he exists in. Uh, they just came off of writing their show Atlanta, which was more comedy slash drama, which kind of bodes well for the kind of vibe maybe that they want to go with Lando because it's not a show like Ahsoka, it's not an Obi-Wan, it's not a, an Andor. It's not even like an Andor. Because the character of Lando is far more into the gray side of things. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But look, we've been asking for it. So I'm glad that it's finally kind of happened. So you think. Um, it, it, it reminds me of the situation with um, the Star Trek rebooted movies, uh, where the third movie was having, they were having a hard time getting it off the ground for the longest time until finally they said, here, Simon Pegg, you write it. Um, at which point he wrote it and it got done. Um, so like this reminds me of that situation a little bit. It might have been just delay after delay after delay. And then finally they're just like, here, he should write this. Um, it'll get done that way and he'll, and he'll like it. <laughs> he'll sign off on it. Our star will sign off on it. We'll get it made. Off we go. Um, I also say that he is a very talented individual. And so I basically trust him to come up with, uh, something interesting here. Cool. Um, I don't think that I'm going to take a mortgage out on my house and, uh, uh, put a bet down on the fact that we're going to get Lando, but it seems promising. So, um, so unless, yeah, just, it, unless there becomes like sudden unrest in the Glover family, you know, uh, well, and I guess though, that's the one caveat that you have to throw in. Not so much on their end. It's more on the Disney end. And, you know, Bob Iger saying yeah. they want fewer shows for all their major properties, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, and stuff. so, you know, this is something that he inherited from past uh, leadership, and he's stated that he wants less, or fewer, sorry, fewer products. To, uh, but at the same time, it's something that would benefit uh, its audience and uh, make everybody happy. So, makes me wonder if he let that one go, but go like, okay, no more, no more Star Wars shows after this. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows. Uh, but that was exciting news. So, um, so you guys ready to jump into Rebels?
Like I said, we're going to start with World Between Worlds. Remember what happened last time? Um, they were at the Jedi Temple on Lothal, and there came this mystical doorway that Ezra jumped through, and the stormtroopers didn't. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are. And so um, I suppose we will start here in three, two, one. Hit play. And you can't, I mean, we're not listening to sound, but I love the way this opens with um, all of the uh, like Yoda and Obi Wan quotes um, from past Star Wars stuff. Um, Obi Wan says, uh, unfortunately, he seemed to be letting it all go. Um, and then you hear some quotes from Kanan as well. And Ezra pops through it, the uh, gateway. It's a good way of kind of connecting us to the idea that this is more of the mystical force side of things, as opposed to just something that anybody can do. So, you know, there's just not a doorway that that's connected in a general kind of way. It's not just a door. It's actually something a bit more esoteric, which goes to the force and and, and obi-wan saying the force episode, is what I get, i'm sorry go ahead dave like with last episode when the emperor popped uh up uh and they name dropped him it, it it's it raises the stakes when these major characters pop in so uh what'd you guys think of the uh the animation for this because it's striking i'm not saying it's bad but when you first mm -hmm. saw it what was your what was your first reaction to the animation of the world between worlds. I thought it was an interesting choice because it's how do you, def you know, you're trying to put to, you know, make real a place that isn't real and a place that's not supposed to be even within the universe that they exist. It's not as tangible as we like to think it is because it's connected through the force kind of what I said about it being so esoteric. So how do you, project that, how you create that, how you design something like that. It's one of the hardest things that I think uh, 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 Dave Filoni and his team have had to do is because it's the same thing that happened with the uh, Mortis arc. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you make tangible something that's supposed to be intangible? So, But it's, I think they did as, as good a job as they could. I really yeah, it's uh, it's lovely. Um, I like it a lot. I like the styling a lot. Um, there's a sense of space. <laughs> uh, you're in space. You're in. It's like you know when you're in Epcot and and you're in the the golf ball. <laughs> you're in that ride yep, where yep. you're riding around and you, you lose sense of where exactly you are within the structure and because it's just like this sense of depth. Yeah. Um, it goes on and on and on. And I think that was a really clever choice for this setting. Now, one of the best interactions in Rebels, I think, is happening right now with the uh, Imperial priest dude and Sabine. This is such a great game of chess, you know. Um, just, just really enjoy it. I love the fact that he's trying to connect with her as an artist. She's not trying to connect with her as a rebel, as a warrior, as somebody who, uh, you know, is on the opposite side of his of him, in the terms of the great you know, the war. No, he's trying to connect with her on a on a level in which 
he knows that he can get through all those defenses that she's naturally going to build up again, you know, in order not to do the thing. So she goes to, to her as an artist because that's, that's part of herself. And he, uh, he says, he explains what the world between worlds is. He says, it's a pathway between all time and space. Whoever controls it controls the universe. So um, a lot of Star Wars uh, nerds slash aficionados kind of lost their mind because it seems when you talk about that, it's like you're talking about time travel, which we kind of are a little bit. So it's a pathway between all time and space and so you got Ezra now walking just kind of on an invisible pathway and he keeps hearing quotes I mean you hear Ray you hear Leia you hear Kylo Ren it's actually like I said you got to be listening to it here's Maz Kanata um, it is so very cool and again it's that idea it's that idea that everything's connected but, you know, you can't really grasp it. It's not something that's tangible. It's not something that you can just go and say, oh, I want to go through this door. I want to go this way. It's all swirling, you know, which kind of goes to kind of how Yoda explained that the future is always difficult to see. It's moving. Now, interestingly enough, we have an owl in here or a convoy, I think is what they call it. But it's a little owl that's hovering over this one doorway i think we're all probably on the same place mm-hmm. that owl is going to become very important here um but you see ezra is like looking through it looks like he's watching tv but he's seeing the battle between ahsoka and vader from season two mm-hmm. yeah from twilight of the apprentice yeah, twilight of the apprentice and so that, you know, remember that episode actually ended kind of on a cliffhanger, like did Ahsoka die? What happened? Um, Vader kind of got his ass, sorry, his butt beat a little bit. Um, he got, yeah, she uh, cut through his mask. Yeah. Um, and that was a very striking visual. Um, but like he seemed to have the upper hand when we left them. Um, and here you're seeing that again he seems to have the upper hand and uh oddly enough yeah we're going to see him pull her through this gateway yeah ezra ezra saves ahsoka and yanks her out of the doorway now vader's got to be standing there going what the heck just happened here you know that's the interesting thing that it's never been explained um you know, and maybe we'll get some of that. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, but uh, yeah, so Ezra was able to affect the past. Well, and that's and, interesting. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, it's, it's, yeah, I had a thought that just like, did Vader become alerted to the existence of this temple? through his perception of what occurred during that fight. Well, it's, and, but you, you don't know what you don't, I'm sorry, from his, from his perspective, we don't know. I mean, did he just all of a sudden, uh, let's imagine this. Did he see this happen? Did, did, he, he, did he see a hand? Did he see a hand like come out of nowhere and pull her out? Or did Ahsoka just vanish? Now, if, well, no, if because... she just vanished, now put that on top of, a new hope when he kills Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan vanishes. 
you know, that makes it kind of cool. Like he's figured what mm-hmm. the heck is going on here. So no, we don't, I don't know. We don't know what I, I really well, hope look, he didn't see just a stormtrooper arm reach through and, you know, pull her through a window. But anyway, no, because if you see the moment that she gets pulled back, she, uh, Ahsoka is putting her lightsaber through the floor. Fredo just, and as he swings, he's, it might've been, a, you know, it might have been, you know, maybe he just saw her disappear, or maybe he saw a flash of light. I find it interesting, you know, and obviously you, would, you wouldn't expect a retconning of things, but if Vader knew about the existence of the world between worlds, would he have tried to get there in order to rescue Padme? Well, you know, that's an interesting thought, because he's like way past that point at this point. At this point, right. Yeah, he's all hatred. Um I just yeah, I recently rewatched Obi Wan and and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, that that whole thing is like I'm no no he's 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 basically turned his back on all of that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I may have derailed this slightly, Fredo. I think you were going to mention something relating to um, this act of him pulling her through here. Well, no, just the idea of it's, it's an interesting aspect about, you know, how the act happens and the morale, yeah, yeah just how it might be perceived as her disappearing, you know. Now, we do we need don't to, know how it goes. Sorry, we do need to explain who Morai is. Morai is the daughter from the Mortis Arc. And so the the owl or the confer or whatever convor is, um, the, her spirit animal i suppose or her in animal form but um as in she met her in the mortis arc huh right did did that soka meet her in the mortis arc the the convoy i don't remember right offhand but um um but anyway so and, and we there was an owl hooting in the uh mandalorian episode with ahsoka um so this this is a kind of an important thing. And I believe we saw the owl in an Ahsoka trailer, unless I met, uh, uh, just, and obviously we saw it as the final shot of, uh, Clone Wars when Vader's looking up at it. Yep. That's true. Yep. So there's always been this connection. Sabine made an interesting point a minute ago, which was when they were analyzing the, the cave markings and she was talking about them being archetypes. Um, rather than actual people, the, mm-hmm. the father, the son, and the daughter. And it's kind of, it makes your mind sort of wonder. It's like, is is the owl an indication that Ahsoka in, is in some way the manifestation of the daughter in real life? Um, well, I mean, the daughter... You could have fun gave, with that. The daughter transferred her life force to Ahsoka. So did she resurrect Ahsoka, or did they become kind of one in the same yeah mm-hmm. yeah like i love this little moment explaining about how even though canaan died those who have moved on in the in, in life can still influence the living through the force well i mean yeah we got canaan talking through a wolf so maybe ahsoka you know yeah and mm-hmm. and the owl uh, but there they are in the same place so the, the universe should have imploded anyway um so now ezra realizes this is another dark side you know this is a dark side pulling at him hey 
if I could save Ahsoka, I can save Kanan. So to your point of, you know, would Anakin have tried to save Padme? I think they're playing out that storyline, you know, here. And, you know, um, so let's talk just for a second. I mean, we, I think all three of us love this episode, but let's be honest. It's a dangerous episode. It, it, it was a dangerous, uh, maybe not dangerous. It's a gutsy, a, a ballsy episode for Filoni to write because it's mm-hmm. very much like Avengers Endgame. It's like the minute that you throw in any little bit of time travel, then you can retcon the junk out of anything you want. So, yeah. I mean, as much as we like it, do you have any worry that this is did, or did you have any worry that this was going to get out of hand do you still have any worry that this is going to get out of hand um no because of the moment that's playing right now or esra i mean i'm sorry with ahsoka is explaining to esra that every action has a consequence you can't just simply pull some a thread out from the story and not expect it to have an impact in this case if esra pulls came in through the portal, saving his life from the explosion, well, then they all die. You know, it creates a paradox in a sense, which is one of the difficulties that I think a lot of times people do have with time travel stories is that it's very easy to create a, a paradox where, you know, you go back and kill a grandfather, you never existed, so you didn't go back and kill a grandfather, so you lived, you know, and on and on it goes. And at some point, you, have to, you actually have to explain why it is that even though you can't see the past and impact that you didn't quite change it. Now, you know, because otherwise your story has no stakes. Now, if I'm you not, can always go back and get it to over. I totally get you know. I totally get what you're saying, but I wasn't wanting to get into the hot tub time machine, you know, you know, what happens to the past. The future was, I'm talking about the I'm, uh, yeah, I'm talking about a Star Wars creator in, putting into play and making canon time travel because you know we go further down the road you know right now and so what i think you said you know what i heard you say which what the, you know said because of this moment right here where you know just you can't you you know they're making you know ahsoka is teaching ezra you can't make this choice because of the ramifications that may have been feloni talking to you know other future writers saying that hey just because i'm doing this this is dangerous stuff here but I don't know. You get kind of worried that once, you know, people retire off the story group or, you know, things become a little bit looser, you know, again, can we just start retconning whatever we want? I don't know. Dave, what do you think? What do you think? Well, if it wasn't this, it could have been something else. You know, they could have been like, here, I've invented this time machine. Oh, now we're now we're traveling through time. You know, like, so just the fact that. Time machine. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, if we're going to say, oh, I'm worried about what might happen in the future, you could be worried endlessly because they could always choose to do something with, with time travel. Um, to your point, like, yeah, they've now they've opened the door with this a little bit. They've, they've cracked it. Um, but I do, I, I do agree with Fredo in that, like, I'm encouraged by the restraint um, that was shown here. And, and not only... Um, and not only in the outcomes that we have here, but also in terms of the storytelling where, where again, 
she reinforces Ahsoka reinforces is everything that you can't go monkeying around with too much here. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mess everything up. Um and Ezra takes that to heart, and we can assume that going forward, most characters are probably going to take that to heart. But I also know that we're going to revisit this um, from the trailers for Ahsoka that we've seen. Uh, Filoni can't leave this alone. Um, we're going back. Well, you maybe, know. maybe Thrawn's aware of it. Maybe it's a flashback. I we don't know. But... First of all, first of all, I love. By the way, I have to interrupt you. I love that. Palpatine has gone full Disney villain here um, with the cauldron. And we've, we've seen, if you're wondering if you've never watched clone wars, this is not the first time that Palpatine has used a cauldron. Um, and I kind of, you know, at first reaction, I was like, you know, what the heck is he? The witch from, you know, snow white. But then the more I think about it, like we've talked about in past episodes, this is exactly what a Sith Lord would be doing, you know, um, all the black magic and everything. Um, now to, to the Ahsoka trailers, I don't know the more trailers we've gotten. I don't know if what we've seen is actually the world between worlds and maybe just more of like a map, like, um, you know, Yoda was kind of showing, you know, the younglings when Obi-Wan can't find Kamino. Um, I don't know. That's, I guess that's the question now. I think, do you think we're going to see the world between worlds in the Ahsoka, uh, series i think we would i think we will at some point even if nothing even just to make a reference because it's the natural instinct desire of it's one of those things that uh why is palpatine trying to find the world between worlds he's not just doing it because he likes to sit over the cauldron and make hot stew it's because he wants the power that it gives him in terms of controlling not just life but time and space and yeah. everything so Having the ability, and it's it's what makes time travel stories, which I know, I mean, a lot of people don't like, but what makes them so provocative and interesting is the idea of getting a chance to undo things and redo things, do things differently. And sometimes that creates a dynamic that, you know, somebody like Ahsoka and uh, Ezra would not abuse the power of the world between the world because they recognize you can just ruin everything. Palpatine would not care. He'd just be like, I'm going to kill this guy, I'm going to kill this guy, I'm going to make it better for me. And whatever with the consequences now the interesting thing the parting line between ezra and ahsoka was ezra said come find me which was an odd line and now i mean when we get to the end of rebels and now we know what's going on in ahsoka that's that's just uh, you forget sometimes that filoni's writing these things all at the same time and he knows where we're getting to and at the time, it just seems like kind of a throwaway line, but it's just uh, kind of cool. And by the way, I don't want to dismiss the fact that all the while, while they're messing around in the world between worlds, I love how Hera and Sabine and Zeb are just rocking it as a crew. You know, it shows how much, how in tune they are to each other, how, you know, they just, it's just a cool team. The Emperor um, making his pitch on Ezra, so to speak, like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you out, and I'm, um, man, he's the worst. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> up some, of course. That, that was another little bit of this that you know we didn't really touch on too much, but um, it's. Uh, but, I, but I love it. It's it's part of it's part of a sales pitch. It's either going to be your best buddy, help you get everything you want, or you know, or he's going to doom you and destroy you if you're not careful. I mean, it's the same thing they did to Anakin. You know, he's like, oh, we, you know, I, you know, well, you through me, you'll find the power to save your wife. And it's like, you know, I don't know about it now, but you know, if we work together, he's always offering the carrot, but the carrot's never getting closer. And here's interesting: Ezra found a way to the self-destruct button for the temple. Yeah, I mean, that, that's you know. However, to me, it, it seems like. Um... You know, nature. To, it's kind of it's kind of like all the whales attacking. You know, the uh, the boats right now. It's like yeah. it's like nature just saying enough's enough. You know, right. yeah. and that's kind of what's happening here because it's you know the force finding balance. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's like the empire is getting the upper hand, so let's just level this temple so they're back to square one. Right. And, you know, the thing is, I think that the, the, the archaeologist priest that was there with Sabine, did he die? As yeah, he, he falls into the, the pit like uh, the <laughs> chick from uh, uh, Last Crusade going after the... Uh, Very Indiana Jones ending for the <laughs> temple. Um, but, but no, I mean, it is kind of an interesting uh, point. It's like going to Luke, you know, what Luke was talking about in The Last Jedi, you know, just everything about balance, you know. And that's what Filoni, I think, is talking about here. I mean, it's one of those things that, I, this is why I love that this isn't a kid show, quote It's that it's a good reminder that when you discuss terms like the force and the power to you know, shape and change life, you're right, it's about balance. It's about recognizing where your limitations are, what your limits are, what you can do, what you should do, shouldn't do. Because the desire to affect a massive change in your benefit is one. Like, hey, I can pull uh, Canaan back. And we'll be, you know, all this grief that we're carrying can be undone. But that's not necessarily the best decision we could make. It's not for everybody else. And I love this last little bit of Ezra and the wolf doom. Doom. At some point, and that's part of the night. At some point, Ezra has to walk his path. Well, there's so much in this episode. This in it's what yeah, I mean, twenty? It, it's twenty-three minutes long, if not twenty-two and a half mm-hmm. minutes long. And it's um, there's just so much in it as far as you know, lessons for a Jedi learning about the nature of the Force. You know, the they're it's just good writing. I mean, you, it feels like we watched, it was like I was entertained for an hour. Yeah. I mean, we've had episodes of other shows that give us a full hour and haven't given, hit us with anywhere near the depth or the uh, storytelling or, or the amount of information that this one gives you. And you're like, yeah, this is why it's one of the best. And I think it's one of the favorites of everybody who ever sees this series. I don't know. Well, we will uh, we'll see um, if uh, the world between worlds comes into play in Ahsoka 
And uh, like I said, hopefully it doesn't become hot tub time machine, but. Hot tub time machine. Yeah. Uh, all right. So everybody move on to a fool's hope and we'll see where this uh, starts uh, taking us. So in three, two, one, play. And we see the ghost. By the way, have you guys seen the uh, the HasLab uh, ghost? Um, yep. Looks pretty cool. Um, and I like how we got Rex here looking like the old dude from Return of the Jedi. Do you think Do you think that's Captain Rex in Return of the Jedi? <laughs> Can we ret have we officially retconned that one? Um, I think they did officially retcon it, yeah. If you don't know, in Return of the Jedi, there is like one when they're on Endor, there's one rebel trooper who's got white bushy beard and looks exactly like Captain Rex. Um, and how this walker does not fall over the minute, the minute you put the ghost on top of a walker on. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, they've, they've said that that was Captain Rex and, um, and then it, yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun. Um, so we're, we're basically getting all the people, all, we're getting all the band back together. Mm-hmm. Because um, we've got Rex and Wolf and Gregor and we've got Hondo. Um, I'm surprised we haven't gotten a live action Hondo. I mean, they pretty much put one together for the Disney parks. I mean, mm. yeah, he looks great. Run. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be. And I mean, so and we've also got Sabine's uh, uh, bounty hunter friend. Um, of course, we've got Callus. Yeah, we got a nice, a nice crew here. I will say, it's, crew of characters, yeah. I understand they need, you know, they need an army. Um, but it was kind of awkward how, of like, you know, hearing, well, I'll do anything for Ezra. You know, it's like, um, you know, who is who is the guy, the the guy with the horns that comes in later? Um, yeah, but I think I think it's part it's part of the. Uh finishing in terms of i mean this is kind of the thesis of the show over the last four seasons it's that ezra lower was living out by himself trying to just survive the fall has found a way to connect all these yeah, people sure. across right. these stories so now here comes the chance for all of them to repay whatever kindness or support or help he gave and you know a lot of times it takes people like that to make you know, rebellions happen now we've seen gregor in uh, Bad Batch, right? Mm -hmm. But we have so. not seen Wolf yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I still, that's the thing that's kind of, I'm still curious as to how Rex and Wolf and Gregor ended up fishing on a, on a walker. It's, yeah, it's, I think that's one of the interesting aspects of uh, these shows is that they find ways to connect them, you know, between Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Rebels, and even the live action stuff we've gotten. But they still have enough gaps between the years so that we're not necessarily okay, this is how they got from A to B. Well, we've also got the kid that was uh, flying the Outrider um, in whatever, I think it was season two, maybe. Season mm -hmm. uh, Mart, I think is his name. Um mm -hmm. I like to like um you see um 
dissension in the ranks, which sorts of shows the field for uh, what we're going to see later on with Ezra's plan and, and what unfolds over the course of the episode. Yeah, it was kind of a nice little, you, you really didn't know what was going on. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Um, so, yeah, <clears throat> we got Governor Price, who is still all torqued because things aren't going right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny the way we're just kind of talking about that. This episode moves slower than the previous one. Um I suppose, I mean, it's a lot of exposition to set up the final episode. It's putting the chess pieces well, in place. So, I mean, so it's not a filler episode, but it's the necessary, you know, shuffling of the furniture, you know. Um, but uh, we got uh, Thrawn. Oh, no, it's not Thrawn. It's uh, who? Uh, the Rider. Rider. It's Rider. Yeah, seeming to do a heel turn here. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not, but I think that, I think sometimes we undervalue. We don't like these kinds of episodes, but they're necessary in the story because you're not going to get. I mean, we just went through a whole arc regarding Kanan's death and the temple and the fall, and well, that was a lot of emotion. But so, if you go from that to the final battle, it can feel kind of jarring. And I so you need this in a TV show. And I totally understand that because again, I mm-hmm. take this back to when I was. A marching band director and I was writing the drill for our halftime shows and for our competition shows mm-hmm. and I knew that at this specific point in the song I wanted to make this specific formation so everything the you know four pages prior to that is setting up that so it's like I hit that and I, I wrote backwards really um, so mm-hmm. I get it but you know it is it's you have to as you know, as you're writing you have to make sure that it's yeah it's purposeful to get you to where you want to get but you can't make it boring you know right it still has to match the music and everything um but i don't know did you guys uh did, were you fooled by this heel turn did you i mean obviously writer isn't turning heel but uh um i think that's what's interesting is that they've created enough i mean because of the characters and the stories that we've gotten and how disparate there is and how dangerous their position is they do a good job of ensuring that we know that anybody could not necessarily turn because we know, I mean, like Sabine's not going to turn on, on Ezra, Sabbath, and, you know, we know the characters were going to stay loyal, but we also recognize that there's going to be characters that have recognized at some point, maybe this is too much for us. You know, that's part of the core element. It's something that was uh, presented in Endor, that the idea that there's going to be a point where you're this the fight's too big too much too large and a lot of people like i just want to check out i just want to go live my life through uh four seasons worth of this show you 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 introduce enough characters over the course of that 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 again like we're talking about like filler episodes and episodes that move slower well this is the payoff you get the potential of these other people that surround our main characters turning heel or creating conflict for them in a way that the the main characters wouldn't or shouldn't and 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 thusly um ezra's plan here spoiler alert um begins to make a lot more sense because he knows that the empire knows that um 
this particular character writer isn't necessarily all 100% bought in to the rebellion at this point. And I think one of the things that, that I, I come to appreciate about that is that they're aware. I mean, Ezra and the rebels are aware of how the Empire perceives them. So acting in that way, you know, having somebody who's not necessarily the most committed all of a sudden find a way to kind of turn heel, well, the Empire's going to fall into that trap because it makes perfect sense to them. Uh, it's not going to be something they're going to be like, oh, no, this 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 is totally a trap. They're going to think, well, of course they're, they're surrendering. We're too powerful. Talking about when, too power. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. I was just briefly going to say, too, when we talk about how this series ends, a lot of people talk about um, other episodes other than this one. <laughs> they talk about World Between Worlds. They talk about the finale. They, don't not, they do not talk about this one, but this is very cleverly set up. So, talking about too powerful, what I am interested to see in the Ahsoka series is how Ezra Bridger is used and how it ends up. Because watching him in this episode and the next, it he is a major league Jedi. I mean, you just saw him leap across a huge canyon. He's, you know, a whomping and a whooping. Um, that becomes, again, it's it's because of the way we've written Star Wars. It's like, you know, if he is still out there by the end of the Ahsoka series, you know, that's a huge thing to, you know, have to explain away. You know, it's like, why isn't, why isn't Ezra hanging out with Luke on Octo? You know, it's uh, it's not like he would have been too old, you know. Um, so that I mean, and, and I've I actually honestly I'm wondering if Ezra is even alive in Ahsoka. I know he has been cast, but I wonder how much of it is going to be like recordings or flashbacks or even maybe just one scene i don't know it's an interesting question because you're right it's uh it's part of what lingers over the original trilogies you know we were told luke was the last jedi all of a sudden we got all these other characters who are not just older but better trained have all this history and none of them are around so finding a way to properly explain that without feeling like you're retconning is a trick they have to do. I mean, the the, the answer here is Ezra was at the other side of the galaxy taken by the Purgle. But, you know, at some point it's like, how come he's not, he didn't turn up during the Jedi Temple period or, you know, when the First Order surfaced. You know, there's reasons for it, but you have to start explaining it. I, I do you think that uh, killing Ezra off screen would be considered unforgivable by many people. I think it'd be very cheap. I think it'd be very cheap as well. Yeah, but I'm um, just... I re I'm reminded of uh, aliens uh, and and how the main characters of aliens were basically all killed off screen before the beginning of Alien Three. Um, I, re I really happen to like Alien Three a lot, um, but a lot of people did not easily forgive that. Um, I think that would be the same thing here. Right, particularly when it's characters that people enjoyed and loved and 
you know, but you're building a whole thing around the idea that Thrawn is, so wait, by the way, one thing that I love about this episode is how the, the threat of Thrawn was driving a lot of this. Thrawn's coming back to Lothal, and oh, yeah. that's why the rebels have to get it back and put the planet in motion. Thrawn is coming back to Lothal, so as my governor Price has to capture them, because otherwise she's going to have to answer why she blew up all the fuel depots and ruined his plan for the TIE uh, Defender project. So there's the threat on both sides of this battle happening right now as to Thrawn returning, Can we... which in a way mirrors what we're going to get in Ahsoka, where it's going to be he's returning and he's a threat. Let's talk. Let's talk about something here on a tangent because I just saw you know um, Hera gives an order and um, Rex says, "Sir, yes, sir." Um, can we talk about how you know, right now in a time where everybody like half half of the political spectrum is peeing their pants over you know the patriarchy getting you know run through the the ringer because of the Barbie movie, which is ridiculous. Um, but you know, it's star Wars has through the clone war, actually starting with a new hope with princess Leia being in charge. And then you, you know, like I said, you go into clone wars and you've got everybody, you know, Ahsoka giving orders to clone troopers and nobody having an issue with, um, a female in command. Um, I just, I just think that that's, it's always just been something that has just been in Star Wars. That's the way it is. And it's, I, I think it's, it's something that gets overlooked is just the powerful um, female characters. So. And the fact that it's just accepted as a matter of fact, it's not called upon. It's not, a, oh, look, we're making her to me. I know the person present. It just, it is. It's not you know, who, from the who woman she Leia, she is, uh, you know, face of that. Yeah. The old Leo's face to face with Vader, and he's like, Yeah, uh, you know, she's not standing down for me. And that's all these characters are just part and parcel of. So it makes total sense. Uh, so now we get you know, Governor Price's favorite tactic if you're losing, just blow everything up. <laughs> so she blew up uh, something, and it's all, you know, the whole base is collect. Oh, the crawler. Yeah, tried. Yeah. Okay. So remember, remember that awful episode, Crawler Commanders. Mm-hmm. That I mean, the only reason that that's there is that so they have this for this episode. You know, I mean, it's it's funny every time. So that's why every time I would listen to a podcast talking about it, this is another filler episode. It's like wait until we get to the end, and then you'll see how this all hooks together. You know. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, it's well done, and it's, I mean, I always enjoy when threads like that, or Pergol, or characters of that episode, come back and have an impact, because, again, it goes to the character of Ezra and the story that it's telling. It's that the Empire's too powerful to look at anybody, or any one thing as capable of, of overthrowing it. And the way that the Rebels fight and the Rebels win is by recognizing all the tiny and significant pieces and bringing them together. I'm making one big powerful piece that can go up against the empire at that point. Okay. So who in here, who in the shot is in on the, again, spoiler alert, Ryder is not a turncoat, but who knows that he's not a turncoat at this point? <laughs> Do you think it's only Ezra and Ryder in on 
in on it because I think Ezra planted little things with we'll you know as we'll see in the next episodes. Um, he gave each everybody kind of the bit that they needed. See, at this moment, like Sabine doesn't know. Either they don't like know, a... or they're just, or they're really pulling off the acting job. But I really do think that it was just an Ezra writer thing, and everybody else had to be totally in the dark for it to sell. Play natural. Yeah. However, here's how dumb. I mean, how many times have these rebels, like, hoodwinked Governor Price or the Empire? Don't you think after like the 80th time they wouldn't just monologue and capture them <laughs> anyway what's the joke that Kanan and rex make you know about this yeah, what, stolen they keep letting steal the shuttle yeah it's again it's it's the same point that andor makes in the uh, casting makes an andor it's the they think they're so powerful they would never imagine you walk into their house and take what's theirs they would never occur to them that you might be smarter than they are that but, you have a chance to stand up against them that's not how they function by the way, I love the Ugnot Melch. <laughs> Melch. So yeah, Ryder suckered him in and Hera came in with the with the ghost and uh and and you got this, you know, it it sorta of worked, but they still seem to be sorta of on the ropes here. Which I think is a good way of depicting the fact again, it takes them having to pull everything off right and it's still going to be by the skin of your teeth or the skin of your fingernails in order to get out because again the empire there's a reason the empire is so uh haughty and so certain because they have the numerical tech you know numerical force advantage mm -hmm. they can throw soldiers at you they can throw more ships at you they can throw more everything at you so and even if you do everything right you still got to time it and pull it off perfectly otherwise it's not gonna matter there's one of the best shots in all of star wars yep this With was... ezra in the cave where's your army now jedi and yeah it's the wolves the loath, loath wolves they're gonna come in a whomping and a whooping and again um Aaron, they set up the Wolf Wolves. They spent several episodes setting them up, and here's the payoff. Yeah. And again, it was it was literally it was this season of Rebels that made me start. You know, no one ever talked to me about a filler episode because it's these last couple episodes. You see all those pieces. You know. Even from season two, you know, like I said, just get kind of uh, put into place. Um, <laughs> man, <laughs> poor stormtroopers. <laughs> I mean, is the Dura Steel of their armor strong enough to, to withstand local uh, fangs? Dura Steel, it's, it's PVC plastic. Anyway. <laughs> look, look, I'm using the in universe explanation but i'm pretty sure it doesn't i mean have you ever tried to see if uh if uh sophie or uh ellie would no. buy free armor no no <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> um they might enjoy the taste 
I like so how... the local wolves saved the day. Yep. They um, said they're womping yep. and womping. Yep. Um, and again, this is appropriate given what we think we know of Ezra's um, force sensitivity and his ability to commune with uh, nature and, and animals. And uh, highly appropriate with in, in terms of Kanan's story arc as well and his connection with the wolves. And, um just very very satisfying um to see this all sort of come to fruition like ezra's plan like he his tactician um his ability to hatch a plan and see it through is really starting to come into focus in a major way and like so much so that you're like well he's just everything he's touching is turning to gold basically i I know that for him he ends up halfway across the galaxy at the end of this but he wins he gets the empire off of his home world. You know, uh, here's how, here's what I am. I don't mind the loath wolves throwing stormtroopers hither and yon and over, you know, to their doom. But the whole time, I'm like, if one of those wolves gets shot or hurt, I or killed, I I will break my TV. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's like when people uh, see an Ewok go down in Return of the yeah. Jedi, you know, Same. it's just like, oh, it's the most horrific look, death look. In, uh, in Star Wars. Yeah, there is a reason the John Wick series is good. Five movies strong. <laughs> one little puppy got killed and everybody went, you know what? I'm on his side. I don't care what he does. Go to town. Do all the horrible things because that little puppy died. <laughs> So they're all saying, yay, we won, but Ezra says... It's quite the leap from where we saw them here. Um, like, they, they took down this little tiny regiment of troopers and, and Price, who's an idiot. Um, but it's quite a leap from that to expel the Empire from a planet. And it there, there, there are quite a few more steps that we have to take to get to that point. Particularly at this point when the full galactic civil war hasn't really kicked off and it's still simmering, but you don't have the alliance, so to speak, all united. You know, that's why that's still that's why the next the next episode's forty seven minutes long. That's why. So (laughs) it takes them a little (laughs) bit longer to get rid of the empire. Um you know, like I said, it's um these last like so we've been watching what the last six episodes of Rebel, we got one more to go. It, it's some of the some of the best, and they really did. I think um, they did a great job in the writing aspect of this uh, of ending the series, um, which makes me which... wonder why people are. There are actually people who are kind of complaining that Ahsoka is. Well, I guess, I don't know, maybe you guys have maybe you have this complaint that it's like, it's, it's so good. Why, what if, who cares if it's Rebels season five? You know, I mean, what would we, what would my we con- expect given the way it was written? My concern is less with Rebel, being Rebels season five than more, okay, do you really want to touch something that ended on such a perfect note to speak to continue? Well, I mean, obviously you can. It's, it's, it's like, it's kind of like when you have that that show of like like 
like your performances that I heard you were describing. You end the perfect note, and then they go, "Okay, now let's give them an encore." And it's like, and you, oh, and and you, you sure and you, you suck do it up a hundred percent, hundred percent. So let me ask you. So Dave, do you think um, it would have been better for Filoni to have put a tighter bow? We're, we, we haven't watched the last episode yet, but do you think it would have been better for Filoni to put a tighter bow on Rebels? Because he knew it was the last season. So do you think we should have left Ezra out there? Is he alive? Isn't he? Or do you think it should have been more definitive as to Thrawn and Ezra? Especially. I don't necessarily need a fully definitive ending. Um, my, My favorite Star Wars movie is still episode four. And at the end of episode four, you see Vader escape. And, uh, oh, what's that all about? I guess that Vader guy is coming back, isn't he? Yeah, but what, um, you, didn't, what you didn't have, though, then was, you know, episodes seven, eight, and nine. You know, you didn't, you didn't have other things that affected that, that decision, you know, changes it's kind of like now making roadie a scroll you know it's like okay so how do we you know sorry i just went into the mcu but i agree with you that as a standalone if there was no other star wars vader escaping doesn't bother me but the fact that we've had the sequel trilogy and you know and and now we got this uh ahsoka series coming out that ending to Rebels is quasi-problematic. Yeah, I don't know that I would go that far with it. Um, unless, like, you think... And I mean um, problematic in that, that you have, you, have, you have to answer some things. You know, it's like, it has to become Rebels Season 5. Not necessarily. They didn't really have to go that route. I think like the reason that we're going uh, that route and why everyone's minds go that way um, and the trailers seem to indicate that we might be going that direction is because Filoni, it's it's his baby, and he's back, and he's directing Ahsoka, and we're just... And he, <laughs> I think he's, he's giving an interview to this effect. Yeah, it's basically Rebel Season 5. It says, like, um, yeah, we're we we expect that at this point but i that doesn't mean that it was uh, a necessary outcome i don't think that it was a, a thing that was that was preordained um if you wanted to make an ahsoka series that was strictly about her and had literally nothing to do with the crew of the ghost he could have done that um if he wanted to um make rebels season five and that and entitle it that um, whether it was live action or whether it was animated, he could have done that as well. Um, so there were a lot of different directions they could have taken this. I think like some of these questions, a lot of people wanted answers to, but there was never any sort of tea that we would have gotten them ever. Um, I, I never thought that we would get an answer to where's Ezra. Um, and this is my wife and I, that we kind of have this private, joke about that like where's Ezra you know that's that's the question that's the biggest question that sort of just looms over everything for us and has for years now um and 
did, did we ever expect to get an answer to that question? Not necessarily. We really, I mean, we did we want it? Yeah. But I, I never assume that I'm going to get the, these sorts of loose ends tied up in the way that I might want because Star Wars never gives you everything that you want. Yeah, they're quite comfortable in giving you just enough. I mean, they tell me, put it this way, just think of the sequel trilogy. We still didn't get the full fall of Luke's temple, you know, scene. We just got the same flashbacks. We understood what happened, but, you know, we didn't get the whole ex you know, exhibit of what happened. So we still don't know who died there, who turned, all that stuff that went there. Uh, we were introduced to a lot of stuff that just, okay, it's hinted at, but then it's, you know, left behind for other writers, other authors, other creators to come along the line and touch upon if they want to. And I think Star Wars streams were doing that too. A lot of, uh, you know, for a lot of stuff. I mean, even as far back as uh, episode four, just the idea of making the castle run in less than 12 parts. You know, you know, that was hinted at then and then took, what, four decades later for us to actually see it happen in real time. So they'd like doing that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like I said, I, I asked questions just to get, you know, mm -hmm. riled up and things that I read and everything like that. I, I do think that if they don't, if they, if they end rebels differently, I'd actually take issue with one of the things you said, Dave, I, you know, if they would have ended rebels differently and say, Ezra's, Ezra's gone, whatever. If it was not this, we've got to return back to his home planet. We just, you know, we have to find, <laughs> we have to find Thrawn and Ezra. Um, then, I don't know why you have a live action Ahsoka show. I don't know. I don't know to what end. I think it, I think it'd be, it, it's, it, this, it was a natural catalyst, you know, and, uh, you know, to get into a story. Um, I don't know. I, I well, think people, I think people would have been, oh, cool. We got an Ahsoka series. Cool. Um, but now it's like, oh, we're going to, we get to find out what happened. You know, it's like who shot JR. Um, so it's, uh, it would have been, if we can go, we can go in the world between worlds and we can see what would have happened, you know, if, um, <laughs> uh, but like I said, it's, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It, will, it, gets to bring a, it gets to bring a big bad that people like back into the equation. Cause that's the other aspect. That's just that's coming back. It's thrown coming back. Yeah. And that creates a, a sense of threat for the galaxy because even though the empires of war or whatever, we know what he's capable of. We've met him and dealt with him for the last three seasons of rough. We know that he's capable. We know that he's, you know, his abilities. We know that he can do. So the idea that he's coming back to a galaxy that's way different than the one that he left when he got shunted off, it's, uh, it's going to be creates a new level of threat and dynamic for these characters because it's no longer just oh uh we just want to overthrow the empire now no it's we have to protect what we fought for so okay so i did i did say earlier that uh i said you know there's part of me wonders if ezra like how much ezra is going to be used in this uh ahsoka series um do, okay so what, what do you guys think is it going to be he's going to be in a lot of episodes he's only going to be in a couple episodes or it's going to be like luke in uh force awakens and we get him in the like actually shows up in the final episode. 
Not holo- uh, not hologram, see, not hologram, like actual. I think we'll I think we'll get a couple of episodes. I, I could see where he makes his appearance, like two episodes in before the finale, or maybe one episode in, so we get him in the next last episode, and then the big finale episode, kind of like we got uh, Luke, maybe a bit more than that, uh, because it's again you don't the show is about Ahsoka and her journey, so you don't want it to be all. The ideas from Bridger Mystery Hour, you know, but at the same time, you also don't want it to be that this is nothing, you want it to be a moment that it hits the audience. By the way, I want, I, mean, Dave, I, always think about, hmm? I want Dave to answer, and then I have to give him credence for something. For I have to, I have to uh say he was right, um, here in a little bit. So, go ahead. What do you, what do you think? We're going to get a lot of Ezra, a little bit of Ezra, or Force Awakens, Luke, Ezra. I think that the the name of the show is probably going to be wrong because the name of the show is always wrong. So it's not going to be Ahsoka's story. It's going to be a bunch of Star Wars stuff shoved into a series called Ahsoka. Um, so with that in mind, I would say Ezra could turn up at literally any point in this show and it wouldn't surprise me. So... Here's what, uh, you know, Dave was saying a couple episodes ago, you know, about Sabine being force sensitive. We were talking about things. He pays closer attention to these shows. Um, it has come to my attention um, that there was in the Trials of the Darksaber, I think it was, um, Kanan and Hera are talking and Kanan's all frustrated. And he said, you know, it just came quicker with Ezra. And Hera said, why? Because Sabine doesn't have the force. And Kanan says, no, the force is in all living things. It's just she's blocked. So he was trying to tap into that with her, you know, but she was blocked. So, again, another little nugget that I think Floney dropped in there. So people like me who are like, what? Force sensitive? What? I mean, Filoni did drop the the hint and a reminder from the Jedi that the Force resides in all living things. So, I, I, I tended. I I thought I remembered that, but also like um, that moment in particular kind of informed my reaction to Finn in Episode Seven, and and how he. Was he force sensitive? Was he not? It was sort of undefined, right? A, a non force sensitive person can wield a weapon like that potentially, um, but probably not. You know, like it would help a great deal to to have some connection with the force so that you don't chop off your own arm or something. Um, and so, like. I think just the fact that you wield a weapon of that nature, it's indicative of something more, but it not necessarily mean that at the same time. So there's ambiguity. Yeah. I was, I was more okay with that in episode seven, because I think there was ambiguity with her as well. But anyway, and it kind of goes into the, uh, you know, what, you know, I think in the trailer, Ahsoka says she was stubborn. You know, um, yeah, that's anyway. So like I said, I had to give you, there is, Which, the force resides in all living things. But it goes back to the whole idea of why the Jedi would take the younglings as young as they were. Because the older they got, 
the more experience in life they had, the more their own sense of personhood developed, developed and it made it harder for them to connect with the force. I just thought of a new uh, episode idea, but we'll uh, talk about that offline. <laughs> okay. So anyway, all right. Anything more about these uh, two episodes of Rebels? Um, I think it's good to be watching Excellent. these up going up to uh, you know, Ahsoka and then watch Ahsoka will be just about nothing related to any of this except for we're looking for Ezra and Thrawn. Anyway, um, well, I guess remember saints football starts this week folks so we have preseason game on uh, sunday so we will say who dat who dat and uh, everybody have an awesome awesome week my monkey.